and we have some very good minutes on the clock to talk technology for the next couple of um, minutes. I hope you are ready and strapped in and ready to enjoy some insights. This is 97.3 City FM and this is City Trends. Welcome to the number one technology conversation on Ghana Radio right about now. And today we are talking about the K-I-N-G-S concept. A lot of you have raised questions about what exactly is this King's concept all about. We'll be finding out from my guest in the studio, Eric Osiakwan, who is a managing partner of Chanzo Capital. And he's also a serial investor and, of course, an entrepreneur as well with 15 years of ICT industry leadership across Africa and the world. It promises to be a rather great one. But remember that this conversation basically um, has at the heart of it Africa's um, leadership within the the rest of the world in terms of Africa and how we can leverage off technology to be able to leapfrog basically what the rest of the world is trying to do at the moment. It's going to be very en engaging, but I really, really wish you would join us with your comments and your questions and your thoughts. Just simply send us a WhatsApp message, 54 9986996. The number once again is 0549-986-996. Alternatively, you can share a message on Twitter using the hashtag CityTrends and we will get to it. Aside that, we have the trending segment and we have the how-to segment and we have the app segment of the show as well coming up. Pretty packed show. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is City Trends. Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-9986-996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. So this is a quote from my guest in the studio. The 20th century saw the economic rise of Asia through the significant economic rise of the Asian tiger countries. But the 20th or the 21st century has been dubbed the African century. What exactly does that mean? The African century. That is, that is really describe where Africa stands in terms of the unleashing of innovation by combining mobile and web technology to lead the world in the 21st century. 
are we even primed to lead the world into that future that is a conversation we're going to have on the show today the kings of africa's digital economy that is a concept that we are going to try to break down on the show today and my guest of course as i've already told you is eric osiakwan and he is a proponent of this particular concept he's a managing partner of chanzo capital he's an entrepreneur and investor with 15 years of ict industry leadership across africa and the world eric it's always a pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much for making time with us such an honor to be back. What what pushed you to even come up with this concept in the first place before we, we, we get into the, the, the mindset behind a king's concept? Well, um, that's a very good question. I need to crack my head a little bit. But I think that generally, if you look at the um, last century, which was the Asian century, um, it was a century that Asia actually became a dominant force uh, in the global economy. And, um, you know, one of the concepts was the Asian Tigers, you know, so um, Malaysia, Singapore, um, etc. Um, and we've also seen the rise of China and China has now become a, a global force. So <clears throat> I think the, the 21st century argument has been a little bit around which continent is going to be uh, the dominant uh, rising force. And I think that Africa uh, fits that bill for a couple of reasons. So one is when you look at the demographic dividends, Africa is going to uh, constitute, uh, I think, between depending on which data you look at, between 40 to 50 percent of global population mm. by the next within the next two decades. So within the next two decades, one in every four person on the continent on on, on the world will be African. Mm. Mm. Um, the import, the second important um, uh, set be data set in that is that it's a very youthful population. So if you look at the rest of the world, the rest of the world is aging, especially the global north. Um, and then you have a very young population out of Africa. Um, so if, for example, if you look at over the next two decades, um, um, Nigeria's population is going to surpass the United States in the next two decades. Um, so think about it as um, Nigeria is going to be a very uh, important market. Right? So when you take those dynamics, then you ask yourself, so what does that represent for Africa? So one is obviously that then Africa becomes the market to go to. Mm -hmm. And so today, everybody's trying to go into Africa, which means that Africa may just become a consumption economy where we just consume everything that the rest of the world brings mm -hmm. here. The, the other side of that coin is the production side of the equation, where we have seen um, Africa adapt technology in the way that the rest of the world hasn't adapted it. And we've seen innovations come out of Africa that you don't see anywhere else in the world. So somehow, the, when you take the technology uh, industry, Africa seems to be the place where innovation is beginning to spring out of. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of reasons for that which we can go into and then we can look at which countries and that's how the whole King's the concept, concept came, about. came about. One of the questions that often plagues my mind is with the opportunity that you speak of, of where Africa is and with the deployment of certain technologies in Africa, unlike is de deployed in the rest of the world. Is it, I mean, it's mainly because of a necessity and, and right. the, the, the gap 
that we are trying to fill. Not necessarily because the rest of the world probably is in the same situation as we are, are the same level of development as we are, but we face peculiar challenges and that forces us to sort of come up with certain solutions that are almost unique to us. Now, my question is, are these solutions necessarily replicable across the world? Correct. So you talk about scaling. Um, so if you, let me give you a classical example. I mean, the most uh, to, uh, spoken about example is mobile money. Right. But part of the reason that mobile money emerged was certain factors. So if you go to the Western world, it's a very strong credit system based on which uh, people have access to credit, which right. is in the form of credit cards or people use debit. And that's how electronic transactions happen. Mm -hmm. When you come to Africa, there's no real credit history because uh, there is none. There's right? none. <laughs> so a lot of the financial institutions always wanted to introduce sort of the Western model here, but it doesn't fit. Right. And then sort of the way mobile was adopted in Africa was very different in the sense that the early mobile providers introduced debit system, debit cards, yeah. uh, a scratch card, which is basically a debit system, mm -hmm. right? So you have to buy the scratch card, which means you put money up front, right. and then you load uh, the currency in virtually into your phone, and then you're able to communicate. Mm -hmm. That represents a debit system. Mm -hmm. And so if you can generate uh, records on that, then you can have a way of knowing, generating some history of my transa financial transactions. Mm -hmm. so you can, Probably Eric buys $20 or 20 CDs of airtime every week. And so uh, maybe he can spare 20 CDs every week. So that gives you a sense of my consumption pattern or something mm. like that. So that led to the whole idea of mobile money, mm. uh, which is that now you can convert that that um, virtual, that uh, airtime that you put into virtual currency just by uh, using SMS, which mm. is a non uh, an offline technology. And then certain factors drove the adoption of that, mm -hmm. one of which is necessity. So people wanted to be part of the global economy, but they did not have the means to. So right. um, one of the mobile companies then decided to you know, popularize uh, the use of mobile money. And Kenya was where it became dominant. And actually, I was in Kenya when this happened. This was during the 2007-2008 election violence. Mm -hmm when a country was literally shut down and people cannot move physical cash. And suddenly mobile money became the way to do transactions. Mm. And then that basically became a wildfire. Mm. And to the extent that today you see certain Western technologies, a company like Stripe, Stripe is based mm. on mobile money. Mm. Uh, Apple Pay is mobile money. Mm. So you begin to see from a place of necessity, as you said, where something almost was a disadvantage, now becomes an advantage okay. that the Western world is copying, right? So to some extent, sort of, um, one way of looking at it is that our disadvantage could also be our advantage. Mm. And this is where sort of the whole leapfrogging concept comes into mm. play, that the fact that we are behind the rest of the world means that we have kind of a clean slate. Mm. And so you can build on non-legacy systems. And so you can go straight to next generation technology without ne the necessity of overcoming legacy infrastructure which is a challenge that the Western world has because they've had to build on old technology over time. So anytime you introduce a new technology, you have to think about the legacy system that you have there already and how this new technology is going to function within that. So that becomes an obstruction. And legacy is a big challenge in the developed world. Right. Interesting. Well, let's get into the concept itself. 
what does the king's concept really what yeah. does it mean correct so so i started thinking deeply uh, probably six years ago about which countries are really going to be leading this digitization of africa right. and and i will just take one step back so when africa adapted mobile and we started going online which is sort of when submarine cables brought africa to the rest of the world the question then became that online is a lifestyle the next thing is definitely going to be online business and and this is not new it happened everywhere in the world it happened right. in the u.s it happened in europe and we last saw it in asia right so similar to the asian tigers started thinking which countries are the ones that are digitizing faster right which countries are going to lead this um a new paradigm so to speak in africa and then I started observing and realizing that certain countries were really leading the charge. Right. And, and those are the countries that are referred to as the king's countries. Right. And, and, and kings also means leaders, right? right. Um, and, and those are sort of the um, KR engine countries, which is Kenya, Ivory Coast, Nigeria, Ghana, and South Africa. Right. And when you look at these um, countries also, they, they are also, you know, the countries that are, uh, you know, politically stable so there's a criteria that i developed uh, out of it and if you don't mind i'll kind of absolutely i think i think it's it's fair that we uh, get into it so so we looked at first the countries that are economically um growing um so relatively stable um with uh, no political upheavals um so if you look at the five kings countries generally over the last decade um uh, with exception of probably ivory coast and um uh, Kenya, um, but also that if you look at those two countries, they had um, some civil unrest, but it was very short, and the economy recovered very quickly. Mm. And that tells you that those are very robust economies. And actually, if you take the King's country, those are the two countries that are more diversified than the others. They are less dependent on resources. Right. And so right. they, they have a fairly uh, a strong economy compared to the others. So, so the, the first criteria is that these are the countries that are really um, growing economically, of course, with the side and down cycles. Right. The second is we looked at the telecom sector and we realized that these countries have the most competitive telecom sector, a mm. uh, very vibrant telecom sector, in which you begin to see uh, more than one operator. Uh, in certain cases, there's five, six, there's at, at the minimum three. Right. Right, so you need a competitive telecom industry to drive competition and to drive prices down, right. etc. So these countries have become the countries that are really, um, when it comes to the telecom sector, we see a lot of activity. Then we looked at the telecom infrastructure. So if you look at these countries, you will see a very strong telecom infrastructure all the way from submarine cables to terrestrial fiber, um, etc. Then the fourth criteria that we look at is the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So is there an, a, a policy framework that encourages entrepreneurship? And are we seeing a lot of innovations coming from these countries? And you begin to see that across these five countries. And then sort of the, <clears throat> the last criteria that we look at is the public policy environment, whether that environment is supportive of what is happening or is beginning to recognize um, the need to support innovation, entrepreneurship, and the digital economy. Right. And you begin to see this across the five kings countries. So this is kind of the criteria that we looked at and, and we used to come up with the, the five countries that are leading 
um, the digital economy. Stability, that's political stability. Yeah. The telecom activity or within that space, the infrastructure, the entrepreneurial ecosystem, public policy environment. Of these, which, which one do you think is the most critical for a digital economy, a digital economy like helping any of these kings, countries that you've outlined to sort of lead the charge almost? So if, if, you, if you look at those um, uh, the criteria, you almost see that it's a balance of private sector, research, academia, and public okay. policy, mm -hmm. right? And what you really are aiming for is not which one is the trigger, mm. but how these, these ecosystems function, right? So if you look at other technoplos around the world, uh, if you take Silicon Valley, you see an interaction within these four of, in some cases, five factors, in some cases, you know, civil society as well, which is the consumption part of the equation. Mm. So you begin to see that there needs to be a strong interaction between these actors within the ecosystem to drive innovation. Mm. Sometimes it's led by one of the actors. So what you see in Africa is that a lot of it has been led by the private sector. In other places, most, more so. And then you see government policy catching up or the regulatory policy environment coming into play. Mm. Uh, and But this, is, this comes on the backdrop of a strong infrastructure base that enables a vibrant telecom space, mm. right? So if you don't have the infrastructure, it's almost like it's hard to then have a competitive telecom industry. Mm. And therefore, mm. it's hard for people to get online. And so even though they may have innovation, they may not have the platform to exercise that innovation. So in other words, what I'm saying is that they, they interact with each other, mm. right? Yes, there are varying degrees of, you know, uh, externalities, but they have to interact with each other at any point in time to drive innovation. And there's actually a study by um, Ernest Wilson who, in which he called the quad model, in which he looks at, he makes the argument that the more interactive the actors are in the ecosystem, the more you drive innovation. Mm -hmm. So for example, if government policies are more supportive of entrepreneurial ventures, mm -hmm. in other words, government creates enabling framework through, for example, tax breaks for early stage companies, mm -hmm. through providing um, uh, some form of support to investors in entrepreneurs, for example, giving them also tax breaks or matching funds. Right. So if you take Israel, for example, one of the reasons that Israel became a strong innovation nation is the government had a deliberate, consensus effort where at an early stage, the government will match any investment that went into early stage companies one for one. So if you invested a dollar, the government will match it. And then the government created a tax incentive framework for investors to put money into startups. Right. And, and that basically drove a lot of that and then created tax break for early stage companies to get to a certain stage before they get taxed. Make sure that registering the company is very easy. You can do it most likely online, mm. right? So creating those elements, which is sort of an interaction between the private sector and the government and research makes that work. The, play, the, the place of research and academia is academia need to provide the talent pool that is needed for these innovations to happen. Mm. So if you leave academia behind, you also miss a point, right? And then the fourth is that you need civil society to start consuming this product and these services that come from this industry. So you also need a change in attitude mm. um, towards locally manufactured or local goods and services mm. that people need to start consuming what they produce. Mm. 
and produce what they consume as opposed to importing everything. Mm. Right. And, and and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with importing things. I'm just saying that you need to strike a balance because you want to enable a local growth agenda. And oh you know, driving all of that by imports won't get you won't there. Get you there. Won't get you there. Now, Eric, um, and, and listeners, you are still tuned in to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. We are having a conversation with Eric Osiakwan about the King's concept for um, a digital future or, or, or a digital economized future of Africa. And um, basically trying to walk us through the concept that he came through with and the reasons behind it. Now, with with these criteria that you, you, you listed, I'm just wondering if these African countries that you speak of are aware of the unique position that they are in or it's just by happenstance more or less yeah. that they happen to be in this particular position having some of these criteria is it like they have and they definitely have not had a conversation yeah. it's just do they have a plan that they are working against well, or so it's just you know as and when it comes up they try to adapt it and just move along with it well, so you have some of these countries that have a clear policy agenda yeah. towards enabling a digital economy. Um, and some of them are, you know, if you take South Africa, for example, to some extent, if you take Ghana, Ghana had an ICT led um, uh, ICT for D policy many mm. years ago, mm. which. That's a policy, though. Yes. As to how it translates into, into action. Yeah. Action, that's a completely different story altogether. So, so, what I'm just saying is that. There's instances within this. Generally, look at these countries. There's a policy framework, mm. right, that guides a certain level of action. How much action? Yes, we can mm. sort of debate that. But at least there's something that's guiding. That's something that's guiding. So mm. if you go in there, you can see there's a consensus effort to drive a digital agenda, right. and and that is very very important that there is intentionality, mm. right, not just coincidence. So. So if you, because if you observe all these countries, they have a very strong policy environment. There's a very strong regulatory policy environment to enable competition. Um, in some cases, yes, they may be not as competitive, not as enforced, etc. But but there's intentionality, mm. which is very important. And then you know you also look at the cases of the paradigm shift itself, where you have a youthful generation within these countries that are beginning to drive the digital agenda from the point of view of, well, I can actually build the next Facebook, mm. right? Which is kind of, in my view, part of that um, um, new awakening. And so when you start talking about this whole Africa rising and sort of the next generation sort of taking their destiny into their own hands and expressing themselves in digital technology, that is the it might be the most powerful thing. Um, and, and that really drives uh, to a large extent this, the hope that, you know, these entrepreneurs can make it here as opposed to, oh, I want to leave Africa and go somewhere else and, mm -hmm. and there's no opportunity. You know, today, you know, around the world, the, the biggest challenge uh, is that, I, you know, a lot of Africans going through very terrible situations to, to leave to the continent, leave the continent yeah. because there seems to be no hope to do something here. Mm. Right? Mm. Um, so I think that is very strong and that's very powerful. Right. Um, um, just when we were in school, I presume that was a norm. Finish school and, you know, <laughs> you know if everybody leaves, who's going to build the continent? So. Interesting. <laughs> How, for the other African countries, yeah. what is it that they are missing out on? Is it that they don't have a fine balance of 
the criteria that you right. provided or and actually since we build this criteria actually the king's concept has actually uh, evolved evolved yes. we've, we've had countries uh, that have really made a lot of strides mm. uh, towards uh, uh, becoming more uh, active so countries like egypt mm. so egypt has become very vibrant uh, type mm. of ecosystem they beastize them very fast mm. uh, so uh, my Egyptian friends keep saying we should make it e-kings. Right? <laughs> Which and would be interesting, actually. And, and, and my Moroccan yeah. friends said we're also, you know, uh, advancing. There's a lot of technology and digitization in Morocco. Mm. So my one of my Moroccan friends recently coined the term kings me. <laughs> She's at Morocco and Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Um, and then the countries like Rwanda, who are also doing very well. So, mm. you know, um, um, you, could, you could look at those variations. But... For me, when I coined the term, this is what I wanted to achieve. Mm. I wanted to create this competitive framework where a lot of countries begin to um, see that, you know, we need to inch up into this mm. sort of, you know, the f into this bar, right? Mm. So, so you got to inch up. And what do you need to do to inch up? You need to do these things. So it's achieving that purpose, mm. right? Um, countries like um, Senegal mm. have become a startup nation as well recently. You've been listening to President Macky Sall. One of his big messages is to make Senegal a startup nation. Right. Um, like I said, we've seen Rwanda, and we've seen countries also like um, um, Tanzania mm. becoming very interesting. So that's the whole idea, mm. right? And I believe that this is how Africa is going to be leading the 21st century. Mm. When all the countries begin to wake up and begin to embrace digitization, mm. and we begin to create a continent-wide agenda mm. and i believe that this is going to infuse into the uh free market economy that has been created around africa mm. right so imagine that african digital economy begins to grow within a boundless africa mm. a free market which quadruples its population in the next two decades mm. So I can totally see how Africa will be the place to be mm. if you're a tech entrepreneur. That would be like you're connecting to three to four billion people mm. in a continent. So that's kind of the future, right? But and the, it's a bright one. The, the, it's, it's a bright one indeed. But there's a very interesting line that can be drawn between countries fitting this right. criteria, probably exceeding it in one way or the other, and understanding what it means to properly digitize the economies of the continent correct so so you're right to understand that like you said you you this is being driven a lot from the private sector but also you're seeing a corresponding response from the public sector right mm. um now in ghana you can pretty much download any government form you don't need to go to government office to pick up any form anymore mm. most of the things you need to do government somehow been digitized right somehow which was not the case before right it needs to be improved, but absolutely. there's progress that has been made, mm. right? And that needs to be acknowledged. Acknowledged, right? Yeah. So um, even the most recent thing that the government has done is this interoperability framework mm. between the mobile operators. So now you can easily transfer money from one mobile money to account, mm -hmm. uh, from one mobile money account to the other, and now understand from your bank account to mobile money. That's very, very important, and it's because... As always, government is waking up and realizing there's a digital agenda. We need to get on with it. Right. right. So you're going you're gonna to see this, um, you know, e-transformation that is happening very strongly in the public sector. And, and that will eventually um, bring other things together because research and academia is attached to that. I mean, of course, we've seen a lot of academic institutions that are 
virtually online, mm. right? Providing um, learning opportunities online. I mean, we invested in a company called eCampus. Uh, eCampus is an online learning platform um, started by a Ghanaian entrepreneur, entrepreneur I'm sure you know him, right? So you're going to see, and you're also beginning to see inst private institutions, academic institutions embrace online. Um, today, if you take some of the big um, global academic institutions like Harvard, MITs, all their course, their content is online. Mm. So mm. you can sit here and actually get an MIT education, like somebody sitting in an MIT, yeah. right? So, so this kind of reduces the barriers in some way, and to some extent, also, in in my mind, makes it easy for um, more and more inclusion in the digital economy. And, and that's what really this is all about, right? It's not about exclusion. It's really about inclusion, yeah. right? But we have to keep raising the bar, right? And we have to keep getting there. I can understand the motivation of private, you know, individuals pushing the concept of inclusion and pushing the concept of a digital or digitized African economy. I could, to an extent, appreciate how the public sector will come in but if what we've seen within our own context in Ghana over the last couple of years is anything to go by, it seems that a lot of the time it's more a thing to indicate that it's like a checklist. We've, we, are, we have this as well, <laughs> and we have that as well. But as to how it translates into the lives of the ordinary people. That's a different conversation. Because I can understand why it's important for a country like Ghana, for example, for all public sector workers to be paid using mobile money. Yeah. Efficient, you can track, you can trace, whatever. Right. But we, we don't seem to want to do that. We don't seem to have crossed that barrier, that line yet. Well, I mean, one of the things that's obvious is that, look, uh, change it's it's not uh, always embraced immediately right and so if you do, do things in a certain way that works for you why do you want to do something else right, right. so there's always resistance but to it's change. not necessarily working i mean we constantly have all these reports about ghost names here and ghost names there when there is a proven way of getting these ghost names out just by digitizing no, and, and I, I agree with that. So every every change or any, every advancement will always have some element of um, uh, resistance, one. And everything will not be successful at one goal, mm. right? Mm. So what is important, though, is that there's a constant process and effort to perfect, to get a perfection. So, so digitization will not be perfect overnight. Right. There are people who mm. still try to go around it because mm. people benefit from the status quo. Of so there's inherent interest, there's be nostalgia and all that stuff. But what is important is to keep driving towards that optimal future, which eventually benefits everyone. Mm. For example, if we take vested interest, right? part of the resistance to change is that people benefit from the inefficiency that's already there. Mm. Mm. So the thinking is, so how do I benefit from the efficiency that you're proposing by exactly. proposing technology? Exactly. But immediately they realize that, oh, I can benefit from the efficiency of technology. It's easier to that, accept. Then you go over the hurdle, right? right? And it's going to take time, mm. right? So, mm. so, so let me give you a couple of examples of some companies that have been that really changing. So mm. we're involved with a company called Pharmaline. Okay. Started by yes. Aloysius. Aloysius, yes. Right? Um, 
And one of the most interesting things that Farmerline did was went to farmers. People have always tried to introduce technology into farming. Mm. The big challenge, though, is that farmers are largely illiterate. As in, they cannot read and write. But right. it doesn't mean they cannot do business. Mm. They're business savvy because mm. they've been doing farming. They've passed on generations. It's their, right. their own kind of business. Right. But if you want to introduce technology in that space, you just cannot... You, you see that they have because they cannot read and write English, that becomes a barrier. Right. So what Farmerline did was build an IVR technology that allows them to speak in the local language. Mm. The system then transcribes and fetches them the information. Mm. Mm. That little innovation basically overcomes a very important barrier. To the extent that now they have, I think, 2,500 plus smallholder farmer cooperatives that use their platform. And I think three years ago, they did an independent study that looked at these farming communities. And these communities had doubled their net income. In other words, a farmer that now uses their platform earns $2, not $1, three Hmm. years ago. Right? So here's a classical example of how you can use technology to improve the livelihood of somebody that ideally you would think is outside the net. And so this, what would technology do for farmer? Right. Right. But here you are, and the basic thing that it, this the, the system does is provide information, access to market, access to weather info, leather, things that you and I would take grant, for granted in Accra, but right. somebody far more in to whom doesn't have that, yeah. and to whom is just next door, hmm. right? So, so the interesting way that you can use technology to advance digitization that lifts people out of poverty. Mm. I'll give you a second example. We, we invested in a company in Kenya called Finaccess. Mm. What these guys do is they built a platform that essentially takes um, your mobile money activity and then generates a credit history. Remember mm. I told you that part of what happened mm. in the Western world was that there was a credit history. Mm. Now, they are generating a debit history. Because you put credit uh, scratch card on your phone all the time, you buy airtime, there's a transaction that has happened over the year. Right. So they take that and they have an algorithm that analyzes that and then generates a, a debit history on uh, Philip. Mm. So now we know that, oh, okay, Philip has a pattern of consuming um, uh, two Ghana CDs of airtime every day, talks for five CDs, or talks for uh, and send a text for twenty CDs, mm. so we can have a sense. Ah, so his uh, communication expense is around twenty five Ghana CDs. Mm. Now we can lend to Philip, mm. or we can lend to that roadside businesswoman, yeah. whom you think that we cannot lend to. But now we have a history based on the phone that she uses to do her normal activity, mm. Mm. and then so that that so so one what the comp- the platform does is credit scoring. Mm. Then the second thing that it does is lending. So now you can lend through mobile money. Mm. So that woman that sells eggs can now walk into a lender and that lender will get a credit history on, on that person and be able to provide lending. And essentially this woman will come and replay. Mm. Um, and this platform is, is wildfire in Kenya right now. Interesting. Right? Interesting. What we haven't done anything extraordinary. Reinventing, we, basically, almost like rethinking. Rethinking, right? Mm. So essentially, taking what already happens, and right. this is the part, partly the head. magic of technology, right? Yeah. Right. That it's not a question of you want to change people's attitude or what people do, or you want to, you want actually technology works well when you can understand the context of what people do already, mm. and then you introduce technology to create efficiency, fix a pain point, uh, deal with a bottleneck. You know, so here it, it's clearly efficiency. So 
we go the, the, and this company scales by going to existing circle in, in in Kenya they call them circles here we call them susu okay you know so people and lending has been happening in Africa it's an age old trade people Absolutely. save money together and lend to each other as groups mm. right mm. so then we go to them and introduce technology to them I, I give you a very interesting story so we we went to an old man who does this and he's, he's passed on to him generations mm. um, and the first time he said. Well, you guys want to introduce me to this technology. Uh, what is it going to do for me? Because, I, I mean, I, I've been doing lending. He has I'm a big good. ledger book. Yeah. He said, every day I close my book and I make profit. Today I made 52% net profit. How much money have you guys made? Right. And it took us a while to convince. to convince him that technology will help him make more money and will help him build a real business history. Right. right? So, so, so what we've done there is not really change what, this person does, but introduce technology that helps them overcome certain barriers. So, for example, one thing we said is that look, you could be susceptible to theft because you're carrying money. People could mug you, right? But with mobile money, it's on the phone. Even if the phone is stolen, your money is still on the network, yeah. right? Interesting. You spoke about the optimal future. Yeah. What does it look like? What What is your picture of that optimal future for? African or the digitized African economy? Well, I, I think that it's going to be a future where um, technology plays a very intermediate role in a lot of things that we do. And then the second part of that is that we are going to be innovating around certain technologies that will really be game changing globally. So, for example, if we take smart cities right, as a concept, if you take the developed world to implement a smart city, you have to deal with a lot of legacy. But when you come to Africa, you can actually build smart cities from scratch, literally, without dealing with legacy. So you can actually introduce technologies that create smarter cities as opposed to other parts of the world. Right. So I can see cities being built in Africa that are optimally better built than anywhere else in the world. Mm. Um, and to that, one of my good friends, Yaosu, is building Ghana Cyber City. And the concept behind Ghana Cyber City is building um, a city within Accra that is optimized around technology. Um, so things around energy savings, creating an efficient transport system, creating mobility among the community that you build in that city. Um, it's different we're, we're going to build it from scratch so it's easier to do here than to do somewhere else right Interesting. and when we talk about innovation we also can begin to see innovations that will advance certain causes so for example one of the big challenges we have um, uh, in, deep, in in ghana in the developing world in africa for that matter is um uh, uh in, in healthcare, right um, and now we begin to see a lot of private actors, um, you know, institutions like uh, Nyaho Clinic begin to use a lot of technology in what they do, right? And optimizing how they deliver healthcare, not just from, um, you know, going to a physical space, but begin to, I, I don't know if you had, they had a satellite, uh, mm -hmm. they uh, came up with a new satellite operation, yeah, the Octagon. Which, which is sort of the way to go where you can create a satellite that feeds into a hub, right? These are the, the, the hub uh, bespoke model, yeah. right? And and what you're doing there is you're, living te you're leveraging technology to then deliver services to the hub, right? 
and then you have uh, to, to, to the satellites, and then you have most of the concentration of the expertise at, at the hub, yeah. right? Using technology, you can also I'm do telemedicine, right? So mm -hmm. you can have um, a doctor do diagnosis, and now with artificial intelligence and all this stuff, you, you, the way that you can use technology to augment and also extend the uh, medical skill set that you have, mm. right? So these are ways in which Africa is going to be very optimal, um, and, and this is going to be a big differentiator. Um, and then sort of the third area, in my view, is how education and learning is delivered, mm. right? Um, I talked about e-campus and, and the kind of platform that we're trying to build where people can out land virtually anywhere they are and get access to knowledge without necessarily being, um, you know, going to a physical space, right? Because we live in a world that is going to be extremely mobile, right? Um, one of the things about the 21st century is sort of this whole millennials and Generation Z that are extremely mobile, right? Mm. People are on the move all the time, mm. right? So how do people engage with things that they need on the move, yeah. right? And you're going to see a lot of mobility services begin to emerge uh, from that. Hmm. Well, Eric, that is unfortunately all time will allow us for today. But I mean, f for me, stability politically, the telecom infrastructure, the telecom activities within the space, the entrepreneurial ecosystem and the public policy environment. These are the criteria that basically guided the formation of the king's concept but like you said a lot more african countries are going over and way beyond these and making their voices heard globally in terms of building a much more digitized economy for the african continent thank you so much for making time with us this is these this king's countries kenya ivory coast nigeria ghana and south africa very soon morocco and egypt seem to be wonky, wanting to make inroads there. Rwanda seems to want to also be a part of the conversation. We want to get to the point where every African country will be part of that conversation. I don't know what, what name we'll come up with, but it would definitely be one we will be It'll proud be of. United Africa. United Africa, Africa indeed. United. <laughs> Africa United it is. Eric, thank you so much for making time with us. We are now going to jump straight into the how-to segment with Jeffrey Rekusapo. And today we are continuing with the data details and data tracking is a subject for today. Hello and welcome to the how-to segment on City Trends. This evening, we look at who listens to you and tracks you on your phone. Your phone constantly craves connection with or without your participation. It connects to anything that is open and has a signal. The first thing you should consider is whether or not your phone is screaming your name to every Wi-Fi network in cafes, offices or apartments you visit. Many phones have their users' names for their Wi-Fi and or Bluetooth names. This means that Philips phone will show to the Wi-Fi network owner or to the Bluetooth connection. Avoid this by changing the name of your phone to something less personal. Second, make sure your phone is not clogged with data. Delete your browsing data. Delete your browsing history. Use your phone's private browsing mode. Also, use a search engine that focuses on privacy. Reduce how much data your phone broadcasts. Switch off Wi-Fi and Bluetooth when you're not using them. Because your location data gives a lot of insight into who you are, it's highly sought after. 
to see how much can be seen from your location data, go to your location history. To stop apps from having access to all this information, deny location access to all the apps that don't actually need them to function. Has your computer developed a problem you don't understand? Is your phone refusing to respond? Is there a computer virus you're battling with? Are you having problems signing into your account? Share your tech problems with City Trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them. Send us your problems via WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. You can also send us a tweet using the hashtag CityTrends. Prince from Tema, you asked a question. Um, I do hope you got your answer there. And um, you asked about how, how about Rwanda. I hope that um, it was clarified for you there. Well, it is now time for us to get into the app segment of the show. And Jeffrey Rekusapong is here um, with the app for today. Jeffrey, over to you. Hi, Philip. Um, so, uh, on the back of the privacy thing we did in the how to segment yes we are looking at an app called firefox focus firefox focus yes mm. now that? this app is basically your incognito browsing okay. where you don't have to open your main browser and then go find the incognito or private okay. browsing it is always yes on it blocks tracking add tracking mm. uh, your they say your privacy is assured Mm. question is how private you can be these days so basically that's what it does Debatable. yeah okay so so basically the whole browser yes or the, is it an app or a browser it's a browser it's a browser so it's the whole app is incognito. incognito yes so technically firefox instead of the main firefox mobile browser there's this one to firefox focus where even as you're browsing if you feel like going offline you can just swipe down your notification mm -hmm. tab and then just press uh i think it's clear data okay and then it will clear everything you've been doing online so far and then you have to start all over again because when you go you won't I find mean, any of what you cookies and everything everything is gone interesting i think i like this i yeah. like this browser. it's available on both android and ios i like so. this browser firefox focus firefox focus I like this browser. <laughs> it sounds like a very sensible app to have. It's, it sounds like a very, very sensible yeah. app to have. I really, really like it. Firefox Focus. Focus. Yeah. I've been using it for... 24-7 browsing in incognito mode. Please note that if you want to keep track of what you're doing, Password. don't go for this. Because as soon as... It doesn't store passwords. It doesn't store anything. So you you see in incognito when you're browsing normal it's saving. Right, it does. As soon as you get out, it That's deletes. It. Yes. Same thing for this one. Interesting. The advantage here is that according to the people who built the app, unlike in incognito where you can't stop tracking, mm -hmm. this app stops tracking. Wow. 
Well, please find it. Search for it. Firefox Focus. Yeah. F-I-R-E-F-O-X. F-O-C-U-S. Perfect. Please find it. And let's know. You try it out. Let's know what you think about it. If it works for you, if it's something that, you know, basically appeals to you, let's know what your thoughts are. I'm hoping that um, you will find good use for it eventually. Well, it's now time for us to get into the trending segment of the show. And we just had a message from Felix. Felix says, hi, City Trends. I lost access to my Gmail account whose two-step verification are activated and is unable to recover. Any help? Well, Felix, what we will do is we will get back to you um, with an answer. We will call you, taking down your phone number. We'll get back to you with a proper answer. And also, we will feature your answer in next week's episode um, in the Your Tech um, segment. So please do not fret. We will give you a call um, before close of day, hopefully today. And so that we will get you some answers and some solutions. It looks like something that you need a solution for right now. But then other people would want some solutions to it as well. So please um, stay tuned in. Um, we will get back to you. We'll give you a call and give you some answers before the close of today. It's now time for us to get into the trending segment of the show and Mr. Entry is here with the trending segment of the show. What do you have for us this week? Yeah. So, this this weekend was a very big weekend for gaming. Right. The gaming industry. Somebody made money. Yes. <laughs> so, Fortnite World Cup Finals. So, what is Fortnite, first of all, so, before people get confused? So, Fortnite is a battle game. Right. And then, it plays multi multiplayer. is online. Mm. So, multiplayer. So, like, you are 10, 15, 20. You right. all start the game. Mm -hmm. And whoever gets to stay... Be be in the game to the end. to the end wins it yes. means everything. Nice. Yeah. So the World Cup happened that was last Sunday in New York, mm -hmm. and then it, it was it was streamed online, mm. and then an estimated of one point three million people streamed it Incredible. on Twitch, Facebook, Incredible and then stuff. Mixer. Incredible so, stuff. So uh, it was very big. Uh, ten gamers made it to the finals, mm -hmm. and then th this ten gamers ten came from USA, mm -hmm. and then only one from Brazil, which is very, <laughs> it's, very it's very, it's very worrying. Oh, Eleven gamers. It's very, very worrying. <laughs> out, out of these ten gamers, mm. the winner came from USA. That was Boga. Right. He came from USA. Mm. He's a very young. Wait, what did you say? Boga. Boga. You mean German Boga? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was Boga, a sixteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old young man. Wow! And then he won this. The prize goes. It goes for five, three million U.S. dollars. Three wow. million U.S. What dollars was I doing when for I was playing 16? video games. Playing video games. Well, I remember when I was enjoying my video game phase. They told me like it was a waste of time. Yeah. Complete waste of time. Charlie, sixteen. Three million dollars. Oh, good. When he was asked what is he going to do with the money, he said he's actually going to save. And then the only thing he needs right now is a new gaming index. That's all. That's <laughs> is all. he the one whose that, mother that's threw all. his console that way? That's Not all. That that's all. No, I, I can't, I, you, you can't even hold it against him. He's just going to invest. What tells you where his, his head is. Very, very good head screwed on top of his neck. But hey, $3 billion. I can imagine the things I would say if I had won $3 billion. Kudos to him. Yeah. Kudos to him. Well, 
we don't seem to i mean we are still building our gaming yeah. you know sector in Ghana. and paul ziem was here a couple of weeks ago we mm. talked about it you know and um, it's, it's something that's in progress so yeah let's let's see maybe we might get to the point where we'll have three million dollars or more as um the the prize money that one i would learn gaming in one <laughs> the only thing is that we enjoy playing fifa much more than anything <laughs> so i don't know i don't know who would want to pay but hey it's, it's still an interesting um sector it just tells you how big a deal mm. people take gaming all over the world so it's it's still a sector that we should we should keep a sharp eye on any other stories that caught yeah. your attention so an european union top court says sites could be very liable for helping facebook secretly track web browsing so uh, I got confused, a little bit confused, mm. because uh, for, for with the background of the issue, a German a German fashion company was sued for helping Facebook track users who come to their website. Interesting. And the issue is the browse the company has no control over what actually, goes on there. Yeah. What, what actually happens is if you embed Facebook's like button into your website, mm -hmm. it automatically gives. Facebook, the access to track users who come to the site. Website. And you have control, you have no control over that at all. at all. So, um, another thing, it's not just these ones. For advertisers too, who use Facebook's Pixel. Mm -hmm. So, if there's any ad that appears on your website mm -hmm. and the advertiser had Pixel embedded in their code, mm -hmm. that one too picks data that tracks, that's tra the tracking data mm -hmm. and sends directly to Facebook. Facebook. So, the owner of the website may not be doing it directly right. but if the ads enabled allowed facebook pixel mm -hmm. that one to pick the data and then sends it to directly facebook and you most likely might not have any idea yes about what's going and on and facebook likes on website is a normal norm because you True. want to generate of course uh, it actually means you are sharing people's data without without even thinking without even about thinking it, about it. Yeah. that's scary <laughs> and so what you're saying is that this company has been sued mm. has been sued mm. for something they had no knowledge or no clue about that means a lot of companies are going to be in trouble because when you think about that it, is if people actually decide to take action yeah. but how many and people will, will take action Philip, really in africa no how many mind them how many people exactly i mean i'm thinking of africa now i'm not thinking <laughs> well necessarily in terms of global those, so i mean I'm, I'm just thinking about those people those web developers those company you know owners mm -hmm. right now doing the listening who probably have enabled facebook like, like button that. on their websites yeah. just because they want to drive you know traffic to their facebook page and to get more you know people visiting their facebook page it just tells you just how much information has been leaked by the people who come to the website to facebook well, as i always say you're getting the thing for free there's always a price they are making money yeah, mark is right. one of the richest people how did you I, think I, he I was making his money if, if facebook is doing this probably means other sites are also, also doing, doing it, it. Yeah, we all know I google mean, tracks all of us all the time they need to otherwise how would they make their money <laughs> anyway one final story before we yeah. go so uh moving to one of the king's nations that's yes. nigeria yes so a fintech startup flutterwave mm. has bagged a, a, a partnership with alipay so alipay is one of uh chinese best payment fintech platforms mm. and then with this with this partnership it allows flutterwave to integrate the payment systems into into the apps of their merchants mm. so you can basically pay pay with flutter wave right. when we are buying from china right. and then we are buying from nigeria basically as easy as that as easy as that, wow. as easy as that. Yeah. 
as yes. easy as that. You don't have to go and change money anywhere or it's yeah. and Flutterwave is a very, very, very good platform. It's yeah. such an incredible platform. Um for those of you who are into e commerce, for those of you who are looking within a fintech space, you probably have a fair idea of what we're talking about. And this is huge for um developers this is huge for people trying to build their companies within the african continent trying to establish a certain level of trade with china and you know with people and companies around the world this is very huge and big kudos to flutterwave for putting that together well that would that would probably wrap up what we have for this week but you can follow mr entry on social media at yes so you can follow me on twitter oy entry and jeffrey OJ Sapon. And myself, K O F I A S H O N on Twitter. But that is all time will allow us on the show today. It's been such a pleasure coming your way. Thank you so much for staying tuned in. A big thank you to Eric Osiakwan for making time with us on the show today. It's always a pleasure having him, of course. The show will be available as a podcast. So please look out for it on Apple Podcasts on TuneIn Podcast, on Google Podcast, on virtually every single podcast platform that you can find out there. We will be there, so you can always take a second listen to the show. It's a pleasure, pleasure, absolute pleasure. And thank you for all those who sent your messages in as well. And for those of you who tweeted, we love the support that you give us. And we'll be back next week with much more. But then, till next week, stay techy!